Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. You picked a great week to be here. We're in a series in Galatians, and really what we're doing is we're just kind of going through and seeing what is going on verse by verse as we go. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. If you don't normally bring it, this is a great time to bring it to be able to go through things that jump out at you. You can be underlining and circling and writing and making your own notes in there. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, uh, whatever version you have. You'll be able to kind of follow along, see what's going on. And we started last week, and of course, There's only six books, so it's a nice, easy one to go through, and we're going to have just a lot of fun seeing what's in here, and and really just, just we look at the Bible, and it's written for us today. You've probably heard this before, but God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and it was written thousands of years ago, but it's written for you, and it's written for me, and it's meant to be the place that we go when we don't know. Like, hey, I don't know what's going on. What, how do I need to be acting? What should my attitudes be? What should these be? That's what the Word of God is for. So we're just going to go through Galatians and see what's happening here. And we're at Galatians 1.13 is where we left off last week. So we're going to jump right in there and we're going to start. And it says this, for you have heard of my previous way of life. This is Paul. Now, when I say the Bible, I'm going to say that, the, again, I'll say this was written by Paul, and it was written by Paul, but I believe with all of my heart that it was authored by the Holy Spirit, that every single one of the writers of the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit and wrote down what the Spirit told them to. So Paul is relaying under the influence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit what has happened, and he says this, for you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. Verse 14, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond, far beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. This is Paul talking about what he'd been doing. And most of you, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but Paul, when he says, I was zealous, um, he was crazy. Okay, that's a better way of saying it. He's, he's, he's zealous. No, he was crazy. You know, Becca just shared a little bit about Afghanistan and what's going on over there. And they're like, hey, yeah, they're, they're, they're killing Christians. The Taliban is, is, is killing Christians. Um, that's what Paul did. Paul went around trying to find Christians. And if they were in the wrong meeting, or you held a meeting in your house with church leaders in it, he'd go around, and you'd be arrested, thrown in jail, and probably killed. That's what Paul was doing. And then he says this, and he says, I was zealous to kind of cover that. Like, yep, that's what I did. He's like, you know what I did. People knew. Because he's writing this letter to the church, to churches. They knew. They knew this is the guy that's coming to our towns trying to find where we're meeting, arresting us, and as a result, they're being fed to animals and killed and tortured. Yeah, this is Paul. So he's like, you know what my previous life was. This is who he's, he's like, I was zealous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you were, Paul. Absolutely. But here's the thing. That was Paul. And then he gives his life to Christ. 
He's on his way to do that very thing in a new town, in a new city. And a bright light, God appears to him, a bright light blinds him and says, hey, Paul, why do you persecute me? And Paul cries out, who are you, Lord? He's like, I know this is God, but I don't know who you are. He says, I'm the one that you're persecuting. And Paul says, okay. And and Paul decides, I'm going to change right now. Paul changes. And here's the thing that doesn't happen. And I love this. What we don't see is God's like, okay, well, now you're a Christian. So all that zeal, all that go get ness that you had in you, it's all gone now. Prepare to be like molded and stamped, boring Christian. There, done. That's not what it happened. That's not what God did. God's like, okay, you and your personality and your gifts and talents and your crazy go ness that you did that was totally wrong. You were dead wrong. You were persecuting the church, killing innocent people. Yes, absolutely. You were dead wrong. God's like, look, I'm just going to redirect it. You were doing this. Watch what happens now. I'm going to redirect you. I love it. I love that I don't don't have to be somebody else. God's like, no. Let me just say this to you. You don't have to be somebody else. When you give your heart to God, he's like, he made you. He made you the way that you are. The, that quirkiness about you, he, he, he put that there. He's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Like, come on. God, God knows. He made you the way that you are, and the world needs who you were made to be. Not a copy of somebody else. Not a boring, okay, well, now that I'm a Christian, I can't do anything. There's a lot of people, that's what they look at. They think, well, that's what being a Christian is. It's the, I can't. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't, I can't smoke. I can't cuss. And I can't hang out with those that do. And I can't chew. And I can't this. And I can't. It's, no. No, that's not at all what it is. And I love this. What we see with Paul is he's a crazy go-getter, going to get out there and get it done. And God's like, okay, you're who you are. You're going to stay that way. But now that you're mine, watch what I'm going to do with it. You're going to serve and you're going to build the kingdom of God. Watch. And God just redirects him. And God redirects him. It says, okay, now you, you are going to be my instrument, my tool to the Gentiles. And anytime we see Gentiles, you read that in the New Testament, there's talking about non-Jews. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a Jew, so I would be a Gentile. So we have all these other apostles and all these other people who had been with Jesus, they were Jews and they were reaching the Jews. And God says, all right. I need one. I need one crazy go-get. None of that. I need somebody who will do that. And it's like, oh, there it is. It's this guy named Saul. I'm going to change his name to Paul, and he's going to be crazy, and he's just going to go. He's just going to go. Makes me think of these little toys that I had growing up called Stompers. And it was, it was this little battery-operated car. And I loved it because you'd, all you did was you'd click it on, and it would just go. It didn't matter where you pointed it. It would just keep going. And so we had, when it would rain, I remember we lived over on Polk Street and we had a pond in our backyard. And when it would rain, the, the pond would flood and it would go over the yard. And I would take this thing, this little stomper, and I would just point it. And it would go towards the edges of the pond. And, and I'd try not to go into the pond because it wouldn't stop. It hit the water and it would keep going. So there'd be these little streams of water coming out of the pond, and I'd point it in at one side, and it would just go, and it'd hit the water, and it'd go underwater, and it would just keep going underwater, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. This little kid, this stomper thing keeps going, and it would go, and unless it hit something too big underwater, it would just keep going and come out the other side, and it would keep going until you picked it up, until you turned it another direction, and then it would go that way, and if it would hit a wall, it'd start to climb the wall and flip over, and it it was so much fun, but I just think that's what Paul was. 
Paul's like, I'm going to do something. And he was crazy. He just was out there. He was doing it. He was dead wrong. But God's like, look, I love who you are. I made you the way that you are. You don't have to become boring because you give your heart to God. You don't have to become boring because you're like, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do, whatever it is. I'm, I'm in. In fact, it ends up being the opposite. I promise you, you think, okay, I don't know what it's going to be. It's the exact opposite. But so many of us think, well, it's, 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 it's not going to be fun. I, do I have to be like that, like that boring Christian that I know, that person that's just not fun, and all they do is walk around telling everybody else what they can't do? And the answer is no. That's not who God wants you to be. God looked at Paul's like, I'm going to use you. You're crazy. I'm going to take your craziness, and I'm just going to use it. Here we go. Verse 15. But when God, who set me apart from birth, and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So who's that? That's the non-Jews. That'd be you, be most of us in here. He says, I didn't consult with any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles there, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. He says, later, I went to Syria and to Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches in Judea that were there in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. Now, that in my Bible is underlined, that last line right there. It's underlined, circled, and there's a little question mark next to it. Because here's what I love that it says about this. They're like, okay, and they praised God because of me. He's like, look, this is what was going on. And it's just something that I, I'm like, okay, I read that and I just think, God, I want people that I meet, whatever, whatever ends up happening here, I want them to praise God because of me. L let me point people to you. Let me point people to you. Let them not think, oh, he's great. Oh, it, look, look, any, God, let them praise God because of me. Look, God, I want to point people to you. That's to be our cry. That's to be what we, we want. I love how he says it. Galatians 2. We made it to chapter 2. Come on. Here we go. 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, and this time with Barnabas, I took Titus along, and we went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was, had run my race in vain. So here's what happens. Paul, we talked a bit about this last week. Paul was not taught the Bible by man. He was as, as, as a boy. Yep, he, he learned the Torah and he read that. But when he gave his heart to God, the Bible says that he actually was taught by God. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 says this. And this is Paul talking, he says, for I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, talking about heaven. He says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He says, it could have been a vision, I could have really been there. He's like, I couldn't tell the difference. He's like, I, 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 I do not know. Verse 3, and I know that this man, and he says it again, whether in the body or apart from the body, he says, 
I don't know. God knows. Verse 4, I was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. We talked about this last week, that God actually imparted, taught Paul, said, okay, this is what's going to be happening. And really, he, he didn't go to Bible school, I guess the best. The best. You go, you go, God's like, okay, you come up here to heaven. I'm going to teach you what you need to know so that you can go be my hand and so that you can reach and be, be my voice, be my hands, be my feet to the Gentiles. This is him. So Paul has that vision. That's the revelation that he has. Jesus speaking to him, God speaking to him. He's been to heaven. And it says this. We just read it. I went in response to a vision, and I set before them the gospel that I was preaching. I went to those who seemed like leaders for fear I was running my race in vain. I think that's amazing. How many of us, if we get caught up to heaven, God speaks to us, we see things that God says, you can't even tell anybody about some of this. He says, it's inexpressible. So he's like, they're not ready for it yet, but this stuff you can tell and, and begins to teach us and, and reveal his love and his plan. And then, and then, okay, we're back. What's step one? What's step two? What, what is it that we do? Paul does this. He says, okay, I went to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that what I was preaching was, I, I was preaching in vain, that I had, I had fallen, that I, that I wasn't correct. He submitted himself to authority. He wasn't like, okay, I've got it. Somebody give me a microphone. I'm right. I've done this. This is me. He didn't walk in. Like, all right, everybody. Today, you're all wrong. Here I am. You've, nobody else has been where I've been, done what I've done. I'm about to set it all straight. Here we go. He didn't do that. He did not do that. I think that's why God used him the way that he did. In fact, I'm going to say I know that's why God used him the way that he did. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. When we humble ourselves, God can use us. It's because of how humble Paul was that God was able to use him in the amazing way that he did. First Peter 5, 6, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. He went, and he submitted himself to authority. Now, here's the thing. Godly authority is a covering. And I think authority is something that we, we don't spend a lot of time on. And Especially here in, in, in Western culture, we, we kind of don't like it. We, we really don't like it, but biblical authority is a covering. That's what it's meant to be. It is a covering. And when, think about when you're a kid. All you can do is wait to be older because you're tired of people telling you what to do. And you're like, I just want to be older. Well, when I'm a little bit older, I'll be able to drive or I'll be able to go here. I'll be able to make my own decisions. Then, oh man, then it's going to be great. No one telling me when to go to bed, or I have to brush my teeth, like none of it. Or that I have to take a shower, it's just going to be awesome. But the truth of the matter is, there's nobody freer than a little five-year-old kid, is there? No. 
There's things that they don't even know to worry about because they don't even know about it yet because there's a covering over them. There's authority. There's parents that are like, I take care of these things. And when you get older, it doesn't get better. You, you don't get more freedom. You get responsibilities. And now you're responsible for things and bills and, and other people and, and employees and family it, it the freest you ever are is when you are a kid. Yeah, there's people telling you what to do, but they are the covering. They shoulder the responsibility. You just have to like get up and go and do some things and clean up and remember to brush your teeth and put on clean underwear. Like that's it. Like that, that, that's it. We're, we're never any freer. But biblical authority is meant to be and is a covering. So Paul's like, hey, I went to these guys and I'm like, hey, is this right? I don't want to be doing this in vain. And then he submitted, he, he talks to him about what he's preaching and what God showed him. He's like, what is this? Biblical authority is a covering. The more authority you have, the more responsibility you have. Responsibility, biblical authority is meant to be a covering. Police, police carry guns so that I get to choose whether I want to or not because somebody else is. But then they're responsible. They have more authority and responsibility. I have a choice. If you choose to be a police officer, you choose to carry that gun. It's a covering. It's a covering. That's what it's meant to be. Parents are a covering for their children. Parents are a covering for their children. They are responsible. They have that authority. They have authority over, but then they carry the responsibility of their children. Biblical authority. Paul's, Paul submitted himself to authority and is like, okay, I'll do it. I want to know what this is. Help me in this decision. I don't need to carry that on my own. He submitted to people that were in authority. Parents, you are a covering for your kids. I don't think we often realize as parents, we, we, we can underestimate, let's just put it that way, we can underestimate our role in our kids' lives or the extent of the authority and the covering that we are. Now in Genesis, in Genesis we come across Abraham. Abraham, God said, you're going to have a child. He says, you're going to be the father of, of nations, says, your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. Abraham says, okay, great, all right. So his wife, Sarah's like, it's not happening with me. Here, have another wife, take this one. Take my servant, have kids that way. Let's do it this way. Well, Abraham does and is like, okay. So he has a son by Hagar. Well, then later... God, what God said comes true, and his wife Sarah becomes pregnant and has a son. Think that'd cause problems? Anybody, anybody see like problems? You're like, oh my goodness, they need Jerry Springer? That's where it would be. Like, this is, this is, this is not good. You can just see the dynamic. You're like, this is messed up. It was. It was very messed up. It was very messed up. And Sarah saw, and at the birthday party for her kid, she sees the the. Abraham's other older son, like mocking her son, and she's like, that's it. 
Get her out of here. Get this woman and her son out of here. And Abraham's like, that's, that's my son. And he's like, no, and I don't know what to do with this. And there's this just like Jerry Springer tension, the whole thing. It's all there. What's he going to do? Abraham prays. God says, listen to your wife. Listen to Sarah. Some of you, you should just, that's all you needed right there. Just put that verse on your refrigerator. And the Lord said, listen to your wife. <laughs> done. Done. There it is. So Abraham prays. God says, listen to your wife, Sarah. So he does. He listens. And he sends his son, Ishmael, and Hagar away, sends them away, gives them, a, gives them some water, gives them some food, and says, leave. And they take off. And we're going to pick up this story right here, Genesis 21, 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water, put it on her shoulders, and gave it to the boy, to Hagar, and sent them away. And they departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. She place the boy under a shrub. Now, it says place the boy. And we don't know exactly how old. We don't know exactly how old Ishmael is here. But he was old enough to be teasing his younger brother when his younger brother was weaned and there was a party for that. So we, we don't know exactly how old, but he's somewhere between, we, we, we guess, between 11 and 16 years old. So just, just keep that in mind. So they ran out of water. Verse 15, and they ran out of the water, the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went off, sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot, and she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the lad. Then an angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise up, take hold of the lad, hold him with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. I want you to see what just happened right there. They're in desperate need. Ishmael cries out. God hears his prayer, sends an angel to talk to mom. God answered his prayer, heard his prayer sends an angel to talk to mom. As parents, not only do we pray for our kids, but there's times that we hear God for our kids. Let me just say, you're still living at home. You're under your parents' covering. You're praying. You want God to direct you. You want wisdom. You're like, I don't know what to do. You want favor. You're praying. God hears your prayer. How many times is he telling your parents the answer? Authority is meant to be a covering. It's a covering. I think we underestimate the power of authority and its relation to even faith. Its relation to faith. In Matthew 8, we see about a centurion who comes to Jesus, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, come to my house. He says, my servant is ill, is paralyzed, is suffering terrible, and, and Jesus is like, I, I, I don't know, shall I come and heal him? And let's just, let's just kind of pick this up. And he says this in verse 6. I'm going to jump right to verse 6. It says, Lord, he said, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terrible. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under the roof of my house, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he says this in verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority. There's that word we're talking about, authority. He says, with soldiers under me, 
I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to this servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and he said this, truly, I tell you, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. He understood authority, and God said, I haven't found such great faith in all of Israel. He understood that authority He's like, hey, tell you what, if you can heal him in the room, you can heal him here. It isn't going to make a difference. If you have the authority, you have the authority. There's nothing that's going to change that. God, don't you, I don't deserve you to come into my house. I understand what authority is. I see how it works. Just do it. And God's like, there's not such great faith. They're, they're tied together. This is why the Bible tells us and is so clear that as parents, we need to teach our kids to honor and obey authority to honor and obey authority. And sometimes we're obeying authority because the position that it's in, and there's, there's, there's people in that position, and they shouldn't be. And they abuse it. But it's still a covering. It still is a covering. And so sometimes we're honoring the position more than we are the people. We're like, they're not right. But we all need people. Paul sought somebody out, traveled to Jerusalem, said, okay, I'm here. I had this revelation. That's not enough. I also want other people. I'm submitted to authority. This is what I've been preaching, and he brings it to him. We need people in our lives. Each one of us need people like that in our lives. People that we're like, you know what? I'm, I'm not all that. I make mistakes, and I know it. So what I need is I need somebody who can tell me, mm, you can't afford that car. I need somebody who can just be like, no, that is, that is a bad decision. We need, we, we need people in our lives who are like, you shouldn't marry that person. People who can tell us no. We're never, we need people in our life that we're going to say, hey, this is the idea that I have. This is what I think. And they're like, you know, yeah, that's good. And they come around us and they say, yup, and here's this. And we need, they, they need, we need people who can tell us no. We don't even like to hear it, do we? No. Like, wait a second. I don't want someone to tell me no. We, we, we don't like it. Let's just try it. Turn to the person next to you and say, no. Some of you are like, I felt really good. <laughs> I like doing that. Hold on, hold on. We need people who can tell us No. People that were like, hey, this is the plan that I have. This is what I'm doing. Will you pray about it? Will you see this? And let me just say, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to finding somebody, we are never more blind. We are never more stupid than when we are in love. Just plain and simple, absolutely. And guess what? There's a verse for that. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, above all else, above all else. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. It covers up. It covers up. We fall in love. We meet and they're great and everything about them is great and they like me and they laugh at my jokes and it's wonderful and it's amazing. It's great. It's going to be, I know everybody else's problems, but we're never going to have any problems. It's going to be wonderful. We need people who are like, yeah, but what about this? We need people who can tell us no. We need people in our lives who can help us when we need help, who can look, who see things from a different view than we do. And sometimes it's the exact same mountain, 
but they see it from another side. Other times, it's we need people to help us see it because we're so close to the problem that we only get one view and we have no idea what it is, but we think we're drowning because our eyeballs are underwater. And they're like, no, it's, you, just, you just need to take a step over here. And we're like, no, I'm drowning. I'm underwater. And they're like, no, you're really not. And you're like, no, but I feel like I am. I'm underwater. We need people who can see things just a little bit different. They're, they're, they're removed from the situation. And they're like, here, here, here we go. We need people in our life like that. And maybe you're like, well, that sounds great, but where do I find them? It's a really good question. Small groups. <laughs> if you are not in a small group, let me encourage you in all seriousness to get in a small group. They launched last week. There's a whole bunch of them on the website. Get in a group with some people. And, and let me just say, please do not go to the group and be like, okay, so this is my problem. Don't, that, that, that's not what that is. But get in that group and see if you connect with some people. Because here's what you're going to find. You're going to find some like-minded people who are trying to serve God with all of their heart and trying to grow. And see if you make, you're like, you know what, this person and I, we just signed, we, we seem to connect and then just, just kind of start and be like, hey, you know, let me ask you kind of about this and ask them maybe some easy questions. You're just kind of see how they go. Kind of interview them without them even knowing it. I don't know. But just ask them and see and see where they are getting their answers from. Are their answers kind of good doctrine? Or is it good Bible? Is it just good ideas? Like, what are they? Sometimes people are really good at make, giving bad advice. Maybe be a little careful there. But we need, to, we need these people in our lives, and they don't just show up by accident. We don't have best friends by accident. We don't have wonderful mentors in our life by accident. We don't have people coming. No. Be purposeful. Get in a group. Go on the website and be like, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not so sure about this group thing. Okay, maybe find a group that's about marriage or find a group that where you just go drink some coffee or you go for walks or you go mountain biking or something, but find a group. And get in a group where you're meeting people that are trying to grow, to build the kingdom of God, and to build each other up. And see what happens. And just see what happens. Because we all need people in our life. I think all of us can look back to situations where those of us that had them saved us. For me, I remember right, right kind of after, after high school, I was just at odds with my parents. They were great. I was great. I don't know. It just, it just wasn't working. I was sick and tired of it. I remember I went over um, to, to Scott's house, and I was like, I am done with my parents. I'm like, they are ridiculous. And he's like, yeah, they are being kind of ridiculous. And I'm like, I'm moving out. And I'm like, I get, my buddy's got, the, Caleb's got this house, and he said I can move in, and I got the job. I, I can afford it. I can do this. And he just starts laughing at me. And I'm like, I'm serious. I'm out of here. And he laughed. And he's like, you're not moving out. And I'm like, yes, I am. He goes, you're too Dutch to move out. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and honestly, he's like, you're, you're, you know, you're moving off to college in like three months. He's like, just shut up and stay home. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. When I look back, it was just a two-minute conversation in somebody's basement where he's like, no, just don't do it. When I look back now, I look at the friends that were in that house that ended up moving together, that, that, that were there, 
And what happened in about that three, six-month window? The stuff that probably shouldn't have happened. The mess, the trouble that they got in, that some of them are still having to deal with the consequences of. I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of it. Because I had somebody that was like, no, you're not. Someone that was just like, no, don't do it. Bad idea. If I asked you to raise your hand, I bet there'd be a whole lot of hands that could go up and say, I didn't have a person that told me no. I wish I would have had a person that could have told me no. We need that in our lives. There's not a single one of us. We never out-age it, out-class it, all of a sudden get such revelation, become so close to God that we don't need other people. We need other people in our lives. James 1.19 says this. It says, confess your sins to God and be forgiven. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other so that you can be healed. Forgiveness comes from God. And he says, but we need to confess your sins one to another. Let them pray for you and be healed. It's another person. We need people. We're not meant to be islands. We're a part of the body of Christ. We each are a part. Get in a group. Get, get around some people. Maybe you join a group and first group, you're like, hey, this isn't really for me. You know, I just, it, it just didn't work. Try another one. Just because one restaurant had bad food doesn't mean you don't eat at all any others. And I get to like, okay, I'm done. I ate chicken once, I got sick. I'm never having it again. There's good chicken. It, it, it is. Trust me. You may have had a bad experience, but give it a try because what's on the other side is so important. Get in a group. Get on the website. Look for one. Try some out. Look for people with these stickers that says, ask me about my group. In case you're wondering, we mountain bike. Until it gets too dark, we mountain bike on Tuesdays. We'd love to have you join us. But get in a group. Begin to build some relationships because we need people. Authority is a covering. We need people we can bounce things off of, ask things. Hey, what about this? We need people to help minister healing to us. We're not islands. We can't just do this on our own. We confess to God, he forgives. He knows it all, he sees it all. He knows our hearts, the intentions of our hearts. And he says, if you ask, I'll forgive. And then he gave us one another. Confess to one another, pray for one another so that you can be healed. Man, I don't know how come I just keep going back to this same thing. I can't get away from it. The sin, this, this thing I just keep going back to. This does, I just always go back. I keep finding myself there. Who have you told? And I know it's awkward. I've been there where you're like, hey, um, I need to talk to you. And they're like, okay. And you're like, I don't want to say it, but um, I've been struggling. I need some help. And you tell them. I look and I say, okay, I'd love to help. We can never have more accountability than what we want. No one can force that on you. But what's on the other side is so good. It's so good. You need it. I need it. God designed you for it. Get in a group. 
find a group. Find one. You're like, man, there's nothing good on there. Then start the one that's missing. Because I bet there's a few more people just like you. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And let's do this. Because Jesus says this. He forgives. We need each other. Before we go, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? As we're here this morning, healing, it starts with forgiveness. So if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. And I want to begin to begin to, to walk towards that path that God has for me. I want to walk in all he has for me. I want to be and do all he's called me to be. I don't want to be like somebody else, but God made me. I want to be forgiven. I want to begin to walk out the plan he has for me, if that's you. Or maybe you say, you know what? There's a time I was living for God, but I turned my back on him. But today I declare I'm coming back. I want to be his again. I just I want his forgiveness, and I want to be his. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right there in your seat, we can pray. When we say amen, you know your sins are forgiven. Experience that peace that comes only through a relationship with God and begin to walk out the plans and the purpose that God has for you. So you're here, you're online. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up. One, two, three, wherever you are, lift it up high right now. Say, that's me, and today is my day. All right, hands back down. Let's just pray with those that lifted their hands. Would you repeat after me? Whether you're in this room online, out loud, everybody, let's just say this together. Say, God, forgive me and make me new. Today, I give you my heart. I give you all of me. Thank you for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.